Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. It is my privilege to welcome you to Bowling Springs Baptist Church for our morning worship service. How great it is to be in the house of the Lord to worship Him. And we're glad you're here. I want to take this opportunity to welcome our guests that are with us today. If you're here maybe for the first time or been coming for a few weeks, we want to, uh, and have not done this, we want you to tear off this little tab on the side of your bulletin, fill out that information so that we can get to know you and allow uh, you to get to know us. We want to be able to give you that opportunity. So please take the time to do that. Also on the back for all of us are prayer requests, prayer concerns. If you have any of those you would like to share with us so that we can be praying for you, we want to be able to do that. And also, should be located near you, uh, a purple slip of paper or a pink slip of paper for our care ministry. We want you to continue to share with us those that you know of that uh, need a word of encouragement, maybe need a visit, uh, need some prayer. Please fill that out so that we can uh, know about that and get them involved in our care ministry. And if you would like to be a part of our care ministry or not, just show up on a Wednesday night for care and we'll get you plugged in on the team. It's just a great way to show our community that we love them, that we care about them, and also the people of our church to show them that we love and care about them as well. Um, notice the insert in your bulletin about the... Uh, Christmas in the 40s, not going to spend any time there, but one announcement that is not in your bulletin that I do need to get out there for you is the Chris Mon Committee is going to need help during the week of November the 24th through the 29th as we prepare our sanctuary and our church grounds for the season of Advent. So if you would like to participate that week in decorating, please either contact the church office or contact Joan Parrish. Uh, we could use all the help that we can get that week in getting, prepared, getting our building and our grounds prepared for the season of Advent, which will begin on November the 30th. So please take note of that. Please make note of the uh, beautiful arrangement that is here on the uh, communion table. That is listed in your bulletin as well. I think everything in your bulletin is pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going to read it to you, but I just want to remind you of our fundraiser this afternoon, immediately following worship for the Bulls family, so we would like for everybody to participate in that. All right. Well, let's continue in our time of worship this morning. I'm Julie Daves, and this is my sister, Catherine Hastings. We both work in the school system, and Wesley had asked us to talk about not only in the bulletin, the food pantry, but the backpack ministry. Catherine is the school social worker at Township 3. Our church sponsors uh, Bowling Springs Elementary. Five backpacks a week. I work at three middle schools, Crest, Burns, and Shelby Middle. Coordinate this ministry at Shelby Middle. The backpack ministry serves many, many students <clears throat> who may be on their own for the weekend, maybe not are able to afford things that they can have like other students, such as snack items. This peanut butter jar that's in this backpack that will go to Bowling Springs Elementary can help a lot of children in a family. Many of our children, their parents are working on the weekends, or these kids are pretty much on their own, helping feed other siblings. 
So it is a great, great ministry. Many of you contribute to our church by bringing items for the backpack ministry. I see it in the schools where I work, how much the students are excited of every Friday afternoon to get their backpack. Catherine sees it as well in the elementary schools. So it is a wonderful, wonderful ministry. I personally uh, have had to call Wesley here or Susan to get food from our food pantry for families that are in crisis. Um, so our food pantry serves families all over Cleveland County. I think we try not to ever turn anybody away. Currently, as of today, our, our food pantry has served or fed 1,915 people, 586 families. A few of those are repeats. We're in a season now where our food pantry, people are going to be coming probably more than ever. Um, I think you'll see in your bulletin today about the holiday benefit coming up in December. All of the proceeds from this benefit will be going to the um, food ministry to provide canned hams. If you've not looked at this in your bulletin as an insert, please do that. Um, <clears throat> I can just speak personally that I've had to call Wesley and Susan several times. I think Catherine could say the same things. She has not put out here, she said she didn't want to look like Vanna White putting all the stuff out, but she did not want to talk, and I didn't really want to talk, but um, the bags are full. I work with two churches at Shelby Middle that provide for families there. Catherine has a church that serves uh, Township 3. Our church sponsors Boiling Springs Elementary. <clears throat> but these items, these students look forward to getting. And then when we need more substantial stuff for families, we can call our church or other churches and get items out of the food pantry. So thank you all for your support. We hope that, the, that our, I hope our church will continue to support these wonderful ministries because I don't want to see any child be hungry in Cleveland County. Thank you. Good morning. Take your hymnals, please, and turn to number 217 as we sing about our love for our Lord. Oh, how I love Jesus. Let's stand, please. 217.
Well, this is a special week this week in our country. Does anybody know what we celebrate this week? Anybody know? You're going to be out of school Tuesday. Do you know why? Veterans Day. Very good. Veterans Day is a day where we recognize our veterans and those who have served in our military or armed, armed uh, forces. And what, do those, what have those people done for us? What do they do for us now? Anybody know? Do they just put on a uniform and look cool? No. They protect us. They take care of us. They look after us. Um, they make sure that people aren't wanting to come over here and take us over or harm us or hurt us. Um, you know, they, they give their lives every day to serve us, to take care of us. And that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it, that they give of themselves that way. Some, and one of the cool things about Veterans Day that we really think about too, are those that actually died they died serving and protecting us. That's, that's pretty amazing to think that somebody would give their life for us. You know, in our sanctuary, and a lot of people don't like to think about it, but it's there, we got two flags. We have the American flag on this side that symbolizes our country, and, and I don't know about you, but I am blessed to live in America compared to other countries where they're not as free to worship God as we are. Um, we talk a lot about religious freedom, but on the other side is the most important one, I believe. It's that white flag over there with the blue square and the red cross, which I believe is just the coolest thing in the world because that is who I serve. I serve Jesus. I serve Jesus because Jesus died for me. So I think it's cool to live in America, and I think it's awesome what our service men and women do because they actually kind of do similar to what Jesus did for us and that they're willing to give their lives and die for us. And Jesus died for us. Um, but I want you to know that there are a lot of things. we, As I was growing up, we sang this little song, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. It's called I'm in the Lord's Army. I'm not going to sing it for you. I know you're happy that I'm not going to sing it for you. But it's called I'm in the Lord's Army. Um, and it was a reminder to me, even as a kid, that God uses me, that I, I believe in him, and that God wants to use me. He wants to use you. And for those who believe and trust in him, he wants to use you. For what? He wants to use you to bring glory and honor to him. That's why you were created. And we bring glory and honor to him by telling others about who Jesus is. That's, that's the way we do it. By telling other people about Jesus. That Jesus died for them. I want to tell you about a really cool opportunity that's coming up in the next couple of weeks that you can participate in. Um, this, this red box is um, one of the ways that you can do it. This is one of many ways. I mean, Julie and Catherine just 
uh, stood up and talked about how that our food pantry serves other folks, and that gives us the opportunity to give food to them and share within the love of Christ. But this is a huge undertaking right here. You know, the military, they, they get all strategic on us, and they've got logistical stuff, and it's real complicated. Well, this, this Operation Christmas Child, if you got into the nuts and bolts of it, it's crazy about the number of countries that, that these boxes go to and how they get there and all that stuff. It's, it's a really huge undertaking. But let me tell you how you can participate. So you can take a box like this, and you can buy items for a child that's the same age as you. You can think about the things that you like to have, some of the things that you're blessed with that they don't even have or even have the means of getting. They can't go down to the store and get it like we can. So you can put those items in this box so that they have a gift a gift from you. But when they get that gift, do you know who they get to hear about? Do they get to hear about Santa Claus? No. They get to hear about Jesus, uh, which is way cooler. So we give a gift to them, and then they get to hear about Jesus, and then they get to get involved in a local church and grow in Christ, and they get a Bible so that they can read about Jesus on their own. Some of them hadn't even ever seen a book, much less know what the Bible is. So this is a really neat thing for you to participate in so that other people get to know about the love of Jesus and to be able to share a special gift. It's really cool to give people stuff. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about picking up one of these boxes down here and, and putting some items in it. There's some brochures that are in some of those boxes right there. Um, that'll tell you some of the things that you can put in there and some of the things that you can't. But then we're going to have collection week starting um, on the 17th. So we'll be collecting boxes all that week, and then they will um, go to a warehouse in Charlotte where they will begin to um, be distributed all around the world. Millions of people have heard about Jesus because of Operation Christmas Child. So this is a way that you can serve. This is a way that you can spend some of your time and some of mom and daddy's money, or maybe even some of your money, if you've got some money, um, to give to someone so that they can hear about Jesus. So uh, let's pray, thanking God for the opportunities that we have to share about him. But also let's remember those that, that serve our country as well. Father, we thank you for the blessing of living in America. I thank you for the way that you have blessed us, and I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't take that for granted. And we thank you for those who have given all for us, those who serve us today. God, we are really grateful for your son, Jesus, who died for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would take all the opportunities that we are given to be able to tell people about you and how great you are. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. about Jesus is that he's not only Lord and Savior, but he is also a friend and one we can have a very personal relationship with. Take your hymnals, please, and turn to number 187 as we sing about that, about how 
I can go to a place and the Lord and I can have a private, personal, one-on-one conversation together. In the garden, 187. Let's stand, please. Let's bow together. Father, we are thankful for this very wonderful time of the year. This time, first of all, when we think about Thanksgiving, we think about all that we have been given. We think about so many reasons we have to be grateful. The blessing, as Wesley said, just to live in this country 
We never know how much we're blessed until we travel outside this country and see how some other people live. We're blessed to know you most of all as Lord and Savior. Father, make us mindful of your grace and your mercy. May we not just say that we're thankful. May we live in a thankful way. Thankful for your grace. Thankful for opportunities for service. Thankful, Lord, that we are able to live in this great country. Bless us in this worship service. Lord, as we consider, you know, what it means to live for you, what it means, Lord, to be willing to have a heart filled with compassion and love and commitment for the kingdom. Bless us during this Veterans Day that we'll celebrate. Make us ever mindful of those people who stand in the breach, those people that gave the ultimate sacrifice that we might live in freedom. Go with us and guide us. He's saying to ask in thy name. Amen. For our next song, you're going to need the bulletin because it has the words to how great is our God. Let's stand as we sing, please.
God, we stand before you acknowledging your greatness. God, we're here today because you are great. God, you've blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. And for that, for that we give thanks. But God, at this time, as we give to you what is yours, God, nothing that we have belongs to us. It's all yours. But God, your word tells us that we need to give. We need to give our best. My prayer is that what we give is what you have directed us to give and that we do that with willing hearts. And God, there may be some in this place right now, God, that's just not there yet. They're not there in their walk with you as far as being able and willing to give. But God, I believe that what you do is you change hearts, you change lives. And so I, I pray that prayer for all of us. God, that you would change us and, and make us and mold us into what you want us to be by changing our hearts and attitudes. And the way we give to you and the way we give to others, God, may it all come from bringing you glory and honor, for you are so great and so worthy to be praised. So, Father, may you be praised in our time of giving. Is our prayer in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
read the scripture I do want to just say do remember our veterans remember those who served who are serving who did serve who paid the ultimate sacrifice and were willing on a day like today I think of my brother George who died two years ago who served in Vietnam first marine division a miracle he got back alive and he was willing to do that. He didn't want to do it, but he did it. And uh, so thank those people that when you see them uh, about, not just during this season of the year, but any time. Our scripture is taken from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 16, and then verses 28 through 35. Luke 24, 13 through 16, and 28 through 35. This, let me set this up for you a little bit. This was the day of the resurrection, three days after the crucifixion, two lesser disciples. You know, Jesus had other disciples more than just the 12. One of, there were two of them. One of them was named Cleopas, the other one's never named. But they were walking that day, going to Emmaus, a village about seven miles distance from uh, Jerusalem, talking about the events of the crucifixion and then rumors they had heard about the resurrection that they did not believe. So this is the event, the day of the resurrection, two disciples walking to Emmaus discussing all the events of the time. Let's pick it up at verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things that had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with, with one another? as you are walking. And then turn to the 28th verse. And they approached the village where they were going, Emmaus, and he acted as though he, Jesus, would go further. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is nearly over. And he went to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, began giving it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him that it was Jesus and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us and they arose that very hour 
and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen, and he has appeared to Simon. And can you, can you feel the excitement? Now they're filled with joy and excitement. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Jesus once said these words, folks. He said, they will strike the shepherd, that meant Jesus, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. In other words, something will happen to me, I'll be crucified, and the disciples will scatter. They'll, many of them will run away in fear. The magnet was withdrawn and the particles fell apart. And here we have these two lesser disciples on the road to Emmaus that were maybe part of that scattering. They were getting away. Emmaus was a good seven miles from Jerusalem. And uh, as they were walking, they were discussing the interesting events of the last few days. The day they were walking and talking on this road was the day of the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe they were also talking about the crucifixion three days earlier. This was the day of the visit of the women to the tomb. A report that of the women that they did not believe, they said. So they were debating. They were questioning back and forth. What does this mean? What's the significance of this? And basically what they were saying was that they had not found at Calvary what they had hoped for. In their mind, the cross and the crucifixion spell failure. Well, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel one day. Yes, he was a prophet, mighty in word and deed. But now their hopes were dashed. Jesus was dead. The disciples were scattered. It had been a terrible time. The crucifixion, there had been a terrible storm, an earthquake. Terrible events for those that believe in Jesus. Maybe on this quiet country road in a walk of seven miles, absence from other people, they can kind of calm their nerves and try to figure it all out. But then a stranger joins them. And it's Jesus. But they are either mentally or spiritually unable to recognize him. We know from what they had said before that they thought he was a great prophet, but he wasn't the Savior. See, they didn't, hadn't really experienced him the way they needed to. In verse 19 and 21, they said he was a great prophet. He would set Israel free from Rome. But they didn't really recognize who he was. Folks, how often, how often does Jesus come to us and we don't recognize him? He comes to us through a friend. He speaks to us through an event. He speaks to us in some other way, through the beauties of nature, through a crisis. Jesus speaks to us a word, a good word, a helpful word, but we don't recognize him. He wants to speak to us. He wants to comfort us. Does he not still want to come close to our burdened souls with love on his face, with a promise of help? 
asking him, asking us to please tell him what is in our heavy hearts. Jesus is not repelled by our doubts. He's not repelled by our perplexities if they are freely spoken to him. I think when Jesus appeared to Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus, there was no anger in him. There was no rebuke in their lack of faith. He just kind of gently chided them, Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe. You see, the disease was not one of the eyes or the ears. It was a disease of the heart. And he began to tell them the scriptures. He began to help them to see the big picture, what was really going on. And as they walked along, the three of them together, his words gave them hope. And then they came to Emmaus, the destination of these two, and Jesus seemed to want to go further beyond Emmaus. And they begged him, please stay with us longer. Come to our humble home. Let us continue these conversations. The scripture says they constrained him, they pleaded with him, they begged with him. Jesus is glad to be forced. They said, abide with us, talk to us. We feel so much better than we did before you appeared. If we ask him to abide with us, he always will. And Christ will certainly leave us as we do not detain him. He will go on farther unless he is grasped by the outstretched hands of faith and desire. Abide with us because it is toward evening. If you would hear anything I say this morning, my friends, hear this. To have Christ, you must want him. He will not speak to a disinterested mind. You must want him. You must desire him. You must want him to be Lord of your life. You must want him to help you through his Holy Spirit. You must want guidance through his word. Those things you must want and desire in your heart. The scripture is full of this teaching. You remember there was blind Bartimaeus who was sitting by the roadside begging and he could not see Jesus, of course, but he could hear the sounds of excited people saying that Jesus was coming, the great healer. And suddenly he realized that through the voices he was passing by, he was getting ready to go on. And blind Bartimaeus said, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, stop. <laughs> I need your help. And Jesus helped him because he wanted him to help him. You read about the Syrophoenician woman in Mark 6 who wanted the help of Jesus to reach out for her because she had a crisis in her life. And the greater the desire for Jesus to be in our hearts and lives, the greater he will answer that desire, I believe. The greater we desire him, the more he will come unto us Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If many man would open the door, I will enter in and sup with him and he with me. But you've got to open the door. <laughs> got to open the door. You've got to let him in. You've got to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I need your help in this situation. Lord, give me grace for this hour or whatever it might be. 
on the opposite side of the coin, you remember the story in the scripture where Jesus went to his hometown, Nazareth, and they resented him. Oh, we know this fella. We know his father. We know his mother. We know his brothers and sisters. He grew up in town just like everybody else. Who does he think he is? And what does the scripture say? He could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because of our, their unbelief. What is it that attracts Jesus to our hearts and our lives, my friends? Our love for him, our penitence for our sins, our desire to study and learn and grow and be of service. Love for his church and love for his people, a desire for his truth. Are we seeking those things? If we're not seeking those things with all of our hearts, why should we be surprised that Jesus is distant from us? Well, the two from Emmaus invite Jesus into their humble home. Suddenly, Scripture says, they recognize him. Why did they suddenly recognize him? They've been walking with him for miles. Maybe they recognized him because they had seen him break the bread many times, and in that familiar act, suddenly they recognized him. Maybe they recognized him because they noticed the nail scars in his hands when he handed them the bread. But I think it's the third reason. Third reason this humble cottage became a place of sacred revelation is this. We can only really see Jesus when we realize what he did for us on the cross. We can't see him if we just see him as a historical figure. If we see him like Cleopas and his friend did as a prophet, mighty indeed, a great teacher, we can't really see him. We can't really experience him. We can see him when we realize what he really did for, him, for us on the cross. Then we can see him. Then we can experience him. That Jesus is the bread. He is the wine. Maybe at that moment, Cleopas and his friend realized that Jesus was not just a prophet, mighty in word and deed. Jesus was the redeemer and savior, not only of Israel, but of the world. When we spend time with Jesus, as Cleopas and his friend did, when we realize the meaning of his sacrifice, when we understand the meaning of the gospel, what will it do for us, my friends? And this is a message that Christian people need to hear all over the world. When we understand these things, what will be the natural occurrence that will happen in our hearts? What did they say when they got back and talked to the disciples in Jerusalem? They probably ran all the way back. Oh, didn't it warm our hearts? Didn't it, didn't it stir our souls? As he talked to us, by the way, and our depression and our sadness was suddenly lifted, didn't, it, didn't we have burning hearts? Didn't it warm our hearts? Didn't it fill our hearts with excitement and compassion and love and commitment and possibilities? Think of the two on the Emmaus Road before Jesus joined them. They were feeling sorry for themselves. We have been forsaken. Jesus is gone. All this time with him has been time that has been wasted. He's gone. 
and his cause is gone. And then Jesus joins them. No, no, I am alive. I will take my place among you as I once did, although it'll be in a different form. I am he that liveth and was dead, and I am alive forevermore. The fellowship is unbroken. The church is alive. He filled them with hope. And the same hour, they didn't wait around, the same hour, maybe it was late at night, they got back on the road and they ran back to Jerusalem. And I tell you, the trip back was so much different than the trip up to Emmaus. Now they were filled with joy. They were filled with anticipation. They were filled with a new faith, a new awareness of who Jesus really was. There was hope, joy, enthusiasm, anticipation. That ought to be the normal Christian life. <laughs> There's nothing abnormal about that. Their hearts were bursting with love and joy. Listen, my friends, there's a difference between discussing Jesus as they were on the way up to Emmaus and experiencing Jesus on the way back. Don't think of me as a preacher. Think of me just as a normal Christian like, well, I am. <laughs> I don't come to Jesus as a debater. I don't come to Jesus as a scholar. I don't come to Jesus as an academician. I don't come to Jesus as a curiosity seeker. I come to Jesus as a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's who he is to me. And because he is that to me, there is that joy in my heart that only he can bring. And as I spend time with him, my heart can burn with the same warmth that his did when he opened his arms and died for the world. His heart was warmed when he died for you on the cross. And once their eyes were opened, their hearts were warmed. Are our hearts burning for the Lord, full of desire and compassion? Like the two now running from Emmaus back to Jerusalem with their good news. Doubts and fears are gone. The time for debating is over. They have found a Savior. They have seen him. They have felt him. They must tell others about him. To be warm-hearted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So wonderful is that warmth that we want to share it with all that we know. My friends, you know this, it's a cold world given over to second concerns today, more so than ever. Only warm-hearted Christians will be able to make a difference for Jesus Christ. People that are committed, people that are single-minded, People that love Jesus Christ with all their hearts and will do anything to support his cause. Like the story of John Wesley, we know about John Wesley, great leader of the Methodist Church. He and his brother Charles grew up in a very devout home. And they had learned about Jesus and they had been taught about Jesus and God and uh, from the time they were just little children and they were faithful in the church. They were faithful to try to live for God as best they could. And uh, they were so committed that for a time, I think it may have been both of them, but I know it was John, went to Georgia to preach to the Indians and spent a couple of years there. He was on his way back to England and somehow his heart was restless. He knew in a way he loved God, but there wasn't that settled commitment in his heart and that, 
that love of God that he saw maybe other people had, and it was more of a duty and an ought to him rather than something of his heart. And he, he worried about that. And he tells the story when everything changed. It was one Sunday morning back in London, and a snow fell, a pretty heavy snow, kind of a rare occurrence for London. But he felt his heart so burdened that he had to go to church somewhere, and he went to a small Methodist church that was walking distance from where he was called Artillery Street Methodist Church. The, the snow was so heavy, the preacher didn't show up. <laughs> and not many other people did either. He said there was a crowd of about 20 there. And there was a deacon in the church that was there that was going to bring the message and maybe in some halting way he wasn't a preacher per se he brought a message and it was out of Isaiah 55 and let me read the first few verses of that Isaiah 55 1 ho everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without cost why do you spend money for that is which is not bread and your wages for, for what does not satisfy listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance incline your ear and come to me listen that you may live because there is no other. That word struck him when that man said, come to me. And he saw that over and over, come to the waters, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. He had never come to God. He had just tried to obey him and serve him, but somehow he had never come to him and said, Lord, here I am I. So finally in that little church, as the final prayer was prayed, John Wesley, who had served as a missionary, John Wesley had done all these things, prayed and said, Lord, I've never come to you. But I want to come to you now. And John Wesley wrote about the experience years and years later. And he said, suddenly, I felt my heart strangely warm. If you meet Jesus, he'll warm your heart. He will warm your heart. And of course, John Wesley went on to be a great missionary for God and a winner of thousands of people to him. And the motive force of all that was that coming to him and having that warmth of heart, wanting to serve, wanting to be of, of help, wanting to give, wanting to win others, wanting to serve. Any church needs a congregation full of warm-hearted people. And I hope you're one of that. Let's bow together. Father, we pray that you will give us warm hearts for you. That, Lord, it's not so much from a sense of ought but a sense of gratitude and joy that we serve you, wishing we could do more. Warm our hearts, Lord, as we listen to you, we listen to your word, as we're with you, as we walk the road of life with you. Warm our hearts so we can be effective disciples. There be any here that want to come to this church from another, any that want to accept 
you, Lord, as Lord and Savior. Stand ready to receive any that might come. Go with us and guide us. He's saying to ask in thy name. Amen. God bless each one of you. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in our benediction. This will also serve as our blessing for the meal. I hope all of you will stay and just give what you can give. This is a good cause uh, for a good family. I know it will be much appreciated and uh, just look forward to a good time of fellowship together. So uh, as uh, we close out our service, I will lead us and then we'll go, go and eat together. Father, we, do, we are thankful, Lord, for the meal that we're about to eat. We're thankful for the folks that fixed it, the people that planned this meal for this good cause for the Voiles family. Uh, I know we will enjoy the fellowship, and it'll be a good time just to be together. We pray a special blessing upon these three little babies that they will be born healthy, and, and uh, Lord, that you'll be with the family. Uh, in the months ahead. We're thankful, Lord, that you give us warm hearts for all people, not those just of the fellowship of faith, 
but those who need the gospel the most. Bless us and go with us and guide us. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.